one of the things about Christmas <clears throat> is lots of lights. And Christmas is uh, a holiday where uh, people decorate. Some go crazy. I mean, I like to decorate and make sure I get that mayor's award every year that Haven gives out. Uh, but there are some people that you could land a plane at their house because of how bright it is. I think there's a couple of places like that here in Haven. But they also had the, whatever that show was called, Christmas Light Fight. I don't know if you've ever seen the Christmas Light Fight. Those people are a little insane, though. I mean, that's a lot of money they're spending on just decorating your house. But that's just what Christmas is all about, lights. And if you would do a Google search of light and darkness and type light, darkness, scriptures, and Google would bring up tons of results, it would give you lots of different results of where in Scripture you'll find light being contrasted with darkness or how Scripture is using both of those terms, often in reference to sin or evil with darkness, obviously, and with light represented with goodness or Jesus or truth or being able to see in a not running into things, illuminating your way. Light being that thing that takes the confusion away, darkness being associated with confusion. And so all over Scripture, that takes place. And I read a passage for you um, last week out of Isaiah. <coughs> one of the things I like to do is, well, one, I like the Old Testament, so I read a lot out of it. But I like to use the Old Testament as we begin Advent so we can see that God was up to something way before those angels appeared to those shepherds out in that field. God was, was doing something big in this redemptive story, and he was giving a little taste of that throughout the Old Testament. And now as we look back at the things some of the Old Testament talks about or some of the things the prophet says, we can kind of see how actually amazing it truly is. And we're looking back at Advent, we're looking back at the birth of Jesus. Obviously, that's not happening this 25th. Jesus was already born. But as Christians in Advent, we're also looking forward because of Jesus returning, his, his second Advent. And we're still going to use this light and darkness aspect as we think about what Isaiah has to say. We think about Christmas and we think about what Jesus has called us to do, how we are called to live now as followers of his. So I, I'll read for you in just a minute, Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3. And I'm not going to read this, but I'm just going to highlight for you what's taking place prior to uh, Isaiah 60. It's a very dark time in Israel's history. They have been rebelling against God they have been doing lots of evil, unjust things to their own people, and God is judging them. And so the language you'll hear, you heard last week if you were here, you'll hear again, is talking about the darkness in which they lived, a deep darkness over all the people. And we use that same kind of language 
uh, we would say things, these are really dark times. These are dark days ahead of us. And it usually means something not good is going to happen. Or if we say these are dark times, it means some kind of evil is probably being perpetrated. I would say we could say that what's going on in Ukraine. These are dark times for those people. Israel was experiencing that, brought about by their own rejection, rebellion against God. And because of their sin, they were exiled. And so Isaiah is prophesying, preaching to them, but, but saying it's not going to be this way forever. God is going to do something, and he does, in different parts of Isaiah, talk about this warrior who's going to come, this, this conquering warrior. And Israel's like, oh, that's great because we're an oppressed people right now. We can't wait to kick those guys' butts and have some warrior come and do that for us. Let's get our swords and fight. That's what Peter thought was going to happen when they came to arrest Jesus. He got his sword out and was ready to go. But God was up to something different. He wasn't up to what they thought he was. This redemptive story was going to take a different look. And it seemed very dark then. You know, when Jesus is on the cross and, it, and it's like the sun. Where'd the sun go? It's, it's dark. All over Scripture, we get all that. So it's interesting to me that at Christmas, we put lights everywhere. Because we're trying to somehow make the darkness go away. So even in the dead of night... You'll see lights here, lights there, lights there, and kind of makes the darkness disappear. It's a very dark time in Israel. And God gives them this word through the prophet Isaiah. We are looking back. They were looking forward. We can see how God has done this. But just like they were looking forward, we too look forward to say, God will do this again. So Advent is really a preparation for us to be ready for that second Advent. When Jesus returns, we celebrate the birth of this baby. When he returns, we'll celebrate the name that is above every name. When every knee bows and tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. God says he will do this in those dark times. And he says it this way. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. It's almost like it's the darkest night you've ever experienced. And then all of a sudden, just up over the hill, there's this big sun, beautiful sunrise, and it just shines over everything. I don't know if you've ever been in a darkness that felt like it was almost a presence. Up at our cabin, there's nothing around us, and the only light that exists there is the light from the cabin. So when the lights aren't on, it's, I mean, it is pitch black. The area that we go to is called the Black Forest. It has that name supposedly because even like right now, you'd still need a light because of how dense and thick the forest was. That's why they called it the Black Forest. It was so dark in there. I can remember when we'd go up in the winter, and we were just away from the cabin. There's a, like a hill beside our cabin and a stream that runs here. And we would build a ramp, and we would sled down the hill 
go over the ramp and try and clear the creek on the, we use metal saucers, kind of like Clark Griswold in the Christmas story. So I would sit and, so I was sitting at the top and, you know, when you go down, you kind of bust up the ramp, so the ramp has to get built every time. And it is so dark up there. You start thinking you hear things, you start thinking you see things, and not that I was scared, but I'm like, I don't care if that ramp's ready or not, I'm coming down, and I would just go down. There's this darkness that just feels like something's going to come and get you out of it. This is what Israel is experiencing. This is how the prophet Isaiah says it. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people's. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Now, that word glory is conveying light. That word appears, that, that word glory, you can find it 14 different times just in Isaiah 60. Whenever you think of that, because usually when uh, we think about the glory of God, if you read the Old Testament, and Moses' face was shining so brightly when he came down off the mountain, that he had to veil himself because of the glory of God. It is connected to light. And they couldn't even look at him because of how bright it was. That's what Isaiah is saying God will do. And it's that light that he says in verse 3, but if you read the whole chapter, continues on to say that nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. People will be attracted to that light. There's something powerful, something amazing about it because that light, I'll read for you in a minute, is there's life-giving elements to that light. So I don't think this is a strange concept for us, darkness. When it feels dark, dark days, dark times, oftentimes the scriptures are talking about uh, evil or sin. One of the things that Isaiah is bringing out here that we are looking back at, they were looking forward to, was this new covenant God would make. He's talking about the light of the new covenant. What this new covenant was going to do in Israel. Now they were thinking it would restore our borders to when David was king. We were going to get back to the glory days. But as we know, God was doing something bigger than that in this redemptive story. And this source of light would not simply be the nation of Israel among the people groups of the world. This source of light would be God himself. And Israel would simply reflect that out. It'd be like when Moses came off the mountain. It wasn't Moses. It was the fact that Moses was reflecting the glory of God to the people around. And they were seeing this light through Moses. Well, God was going to do that through this one that he would send. <coughs> this one who would receive the name Jesus. And if you look at Jesus' life, he drew people to himself. Jesus, throughout his ministry, had huge crowds coming to him. And this light was shining so brightly. 
through his life. And John told us why that would take place. Again, this, this idea of light and darkness runs throughout the entirety of Scripture. In John chapter 1, we have, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, John 1.1, 1, 1, those that first phrase, In the beginning was the Word, is taken from Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning was God. And if you read Genesis 1, the first thing that we read about is that the, the earth was covered in darkness. It was a wasteland, Genesis 1 tells us. And what does God do first to change that? When God creates from this wasteland, this darkness that covered the earth, and God said, let there be light. And John picks up on that and says it a little bit differently. He's talking about the Word that was with God in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning, bringing out the preexistence of this one, the, the Logos, the one who holds all things together. Now, we know who John is talking about, but he says, Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. And he says this in verse 4 and 5, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Again, this connection of light and life. Opposite of darkness, sin, and death. This light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So again, John is picking up on a theme that Isaiah was sharing with, with Israel. This theme of the light that God offers. And I, I always think it's interesting how at Christmas we have light representing so much. And things just seem different at Christmas. We talk about it as in the United States anyway, being the Christmas spirit. People have the Christmas spirit. There's something different about Christmas that I think God is doing something that Isaiah said he would do in which people are drawn to him. Now, I know that at Christmas time we have our traditions that we do. You have some. Maybe you bake cookies on a specific night with uh, family. Maybe you always have that work Christmas party at, at that location and you do the same things. Maybe it's whatever your uh, meal is, your, your Christmas meal. Um, and you do this on Christmas, you do this on Christmas Eve. We all have those traditions, but I think what's happening at Christmas is more than just a tradition. Because we have lots of different traditions. Your family has them, and they're not always connected to going to a worship service. And yet on Christmas Eve, this church will be way fuller than it is right now. And every church in the United States will be way fuller in a couple of weeks on Christmas Eve than it is right now. And really, 
all over the Western world, it's going to be the same. All year long, we don't connect any tradition, many people, to going to church. But for whatever reason, on Christmas Eve, we're willing, even though I haven't been in church all year long, we're willing to go to church for a service about a baby who was born to do what? Something. There's something different about this baby. There's something different happening on that day as opposed to every other day. And in my opinion, so different that we can even pack out a church and sing some songs that I don't usually sing all year long and listen to some scriptures that I hear every year, but maybe I'm not exactly sure what they're all conveying in meaning. And be exposed to this light. This light that for a little bit of time pushes back the darkness. And if we are willing to embrace it, find light, which is life. See, I think there is a reason why Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Because darkness in Scripture is associated with sin, and sin, of course, we know leads to death. See, this light that has come into the world is showing how deep the darkness really is. A deep darkness that covers all people that we need to be saved from. Jesus, through his birth, reveals how deep and dark that sin really is. And just for a little bit of time, we experience something else, something different. And there's like this hope that exists, this, this peace that he offers that I've never experienced, this joy that can replace the sorrow and bitterness I feel in my life, this love that replaces what I typically experience. Where does all that come from? Why do we focus on that at Christmas? Arise and shine. Isaiah tells Israel, the light has come. God is going to send this light. We celebrate him sending that light. And we look forward to the time when he restores all things back to the way they ought to be. I think it's interesting in uh, Matthew when Jesus is talking about his kingdom. If you think about the kingdoms of this world, they're related to the kingdom of darkness. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 talks about his kingdom. What does it look like if God would dwell among his people? What would that be like if God actually came down and walked among us? Israel wondered that for a long time. Isaiah said this is what it would be like. All the nations, people would be drawn to him. And we see Jesus everywhere. We're, uh, the life group that Kyle and Melissa lead are going. We were through Matthew, and now we're reading through Mark. And I'm just reminded about 
What the crowds must have been like when they were just pushing in on Jesus, just wanting to touch him. People from everywhere, they'd hear he's coming and they'd just run to that town and they'd hear about Jesus is going there and they'd run and Jesus, the only way he can get away from it is being on a boat. What would it be like if God himself dwelled among us? And that's what it would be like. That light would shine and people would be drawn to it. Now, it's interesting that when Jesus is talking about his kingdom, the church, that's us, you and me, his followers, this is what he said we would be like. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again if it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled under the foot? You are the salt, and if you know this passage you are the light of the world. That's what Jesus says to us. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This light that Jesus brought into the world is still shining brightly, or it's supposed to be. Let your light so shine before others that they would see your life and glorify God. They would be drawn to this one that would send his son into this world. That's how we're supposed to live. Yeah, I think there's people that don't want to have anything to do with Christianity. Not everyone out there is a raging atheist that hates God. Lots of them are just wandering about in darkness. Lots of them are just caught up in their sin. And they're looking for that light. They are desperate for that light. And Jesus says, you'll find it. You are the light of the world. And if you think about what John said, in that light is life. When you walk out of that darkness into his glorious light, you experience life. We are called to be that light. Christmas, I think, the time of year and the holiday itself is doing half the job for us. There's something different that happens and I don't think it's just, it's our tradition to go to church that Sunday. Why would you go that Sunday instead of every other Sunday to make mom happy? Something there on that day, something is being said, and it gives us the opportunity. And you're going to be in places where you have the opportunity to let your light so shine before others that they might see your good deeds, they might see your behavior, the way you speak, the way you interact, the way you treat someone else, the way you put others' needs before your own, and what they're actually seeing is this light pouring out of you. And they say, I'm desperate for that. I think we live in some dark times. And so that light ought to shine really bright. And I think there's a lot of people who are more open to hearing about God 
than we think. It just takes us taking that opportunity to shine that light in their life. Maybe it's just that good deed that goes and it, they weren't expecting it. Maybe it's showing up at their house and giving them some cookies. Maybe it's giving them a call because you haven't talked to them in a while. God says that this light will draw all nations to him. We're doing that now. That's what Jesus inaugurated. His kingdom has come. That's what Jesus said. So repent and believe. And as we do that, he tells us, you are the light of the world. And what we are doing is getting ready for and getting his creation ready for his second advent. When that light comes and exposes evil and darkness for what it is and overcomes it once and for all. That's why we have peace. That's why we have hope. That's why we talk about joy. That's why we talk about love at Christmas because we know God will accomplish it. He's already shown us he'll do it in Christmas. He's already proved that he has overcome it in his resurrection. And he's promised to come back again. But until that time comes, he says to us, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. People need to know who this God is, the light that he offers. The way people know that is through our lives. I want to encourage you this Christmas to take the opportunity to help somebody find that light. It's not always fun to expose that darkness. It's not always easy to expose that darkness. But as we do that by shining the light of Jesus on it, people will experience life. And yes, I do believe people will be attracted to that. When we live out the way Jesus has called us to live out these lives, people will say, I want what you have. I don't know why you are the way that you are, but I want to experience what you experience. How are you able to go through life with all this happening and still have joy? Not get so mad at that. How is that possible? I think people have those questions. Christmas is a great time for us to be able to shine that light as to why we celebrate what we celebrate and offer that light to them because that light is the life of all mankind. Let's pray. God, thank you for the promises that you give to us through your word. Thank you for revealing that to us through your son, Jesus and that we can count on that promise. God, I think it's amazing, Lord, how you are able to, in the Old Testament with the prophet Isaiah, talk about this light that's going to shine. God, how you did that in the, the story of Christmas and this light that shone above where Jesus was and people were drawn to him, shepherds were drawn to him, 
Gentiles from far off lands were, were drawn to him. That God, I believe you are still drawing people to yourself today. God, I pray that you would use us as Jesus has called us to be the light of the world. That our light would shine among people. That in us they would see you. In our actions, in our words, in the treatment of others, in our good deeds, you would be glorified. So God, I pray that as we continue our journey into Advent and as we await that wonderful day of Christmas, God, help us not to lose sight of who we are called to be in this world. Help us to be able to convey to people around us what it means to put their faith and trust in you. This God who offers life, life through the light of Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen.